This is Freaky Trigger and the Lollards of Pop. I'm Elisha Sessions. And I'm Tim Hopkins. Ahead on the program tonight, we ask, is cheating cool? Tanya Heaton returns from 1981 hating music more than ever and turns the laser-like focus of her smoldering eyes on a certain Swedish pop pixie. We hear music from Super Pitcher and Michael Mayer. Trina featuring Fabulous and some other old junk we've got hanging around. Um, we'll also be revealing Great Britain's new midweek number one. It will be a bit of a surprise, I think. <laughs> surprise to me, actually, uh, before a couple of days ago. Um, but uh, let's say hello to our Lollards who are with us in the studio tonight. Mark Sinker, writer, editor, and polymathic prestidigitator, and Katie Grocott, uh, musician and stalker of Girls Aloud. What? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't reply to um, mine because I didn't recognise the description. All is known. <laughs> when, when's, the, when, when's the last time you? Uh, when's the last time you stalked girls aloud, Kate? I actually hung out outside their uh, their trailer last night. Where was their trailer, Katie? <laughs> their trailer, <laughs> their trailer, Tim. Uh, it was parked uh, in. Um, it was outside the building I currently work in. I don't. I don't know if I should. Um, Anyway, they were filming an ad. Uh, Same by I, its brand name. Nobody will recognise it. <laughs> it's the, okay, because the, the building you currently work in, you've, you've already said that they, where they were. Yes. And it's been in the papers where they were. Oh, okay. Well, to, give, it. to give it its official title, <laughs> it was outside UCL, London's Global University. Um, and yes, well, a, a co-worker rushed in and, and informed us all that, girls are allowed of filming outside. So, of course, we went and looked out the window and there was there was no girls allowed. There was a van and a tea and... Um, but we, we did kind of sneak out and, and we thought, you know, we might have saw a glimpse through a window or something, but but no, not really. Of a girl allowed. Of a girl allowed. And I did, and I did take a picture of the red carpet that they have filmed this, uh, I believe it's a Kit Kat advert on. I've taken a picture of this on my mobile phone for, for posterity. Oh, so, so this was a Kit Kat ad- advert and they... You said you saw part of the set. There was a there was a oh, red yes. carpet. Yeah, there was a basically. <laughs> if you're unfamiliar with UCL, um, there is a, a large uh, red carpets everywhere. Ba- basically, everywhere Eli goes. <laughs> All over my it's office. It's so home <laughs> it, it, If you imagine the National Gallery, the same dude designed it and didn't really make that much alteration. So there's a carpet going all the way up the stairs towards the what we call the portico, which has some lovely Greek columns. There was a red carpet going up that and lots of fake trees with loads of fairy lights on scattered about the place ready to be deployed when the sun went down, I assume. So so the idea was that they were they were sort of um pretending to be celebrities, but they are celebrities. <gasps> so they had like a fake red carpet but they're It's so meta, isn't it? <laughs> meta is the wrong word. <laughs> well our our theme today is cheating. Um Cheryl Cole of Girls Aloud, yes, uh, is married to Ashley Cole, who I believe is a player of foot hockey in this country, uh, and is also a man. Um, anyway, <laughs> apparently uh, this guy slept around with a hairdresser. Big no-no. <laughs> slept around with a hairdresser. Well, what does slept? I mean, I, if you say slept around with um, a hockey team, a number of hairdressers, then, then that that makes it. But yeah, slept around with a hairdresser is that like a description <laughs> of all the different places it happened? In which case, <laughs> TMI. <laughs> but can so, you? Not, I guess may, maybe you can't sleep around with just one person. Well, I think you can, but it's not. What <laughs> it means something else. Hmm. He's been sleeping around though, right? According to all the papers, which yeah. are now covering his wife's day job. Well, and and uh, apparently Cheryl's 
Cheryl uh, Cole. Um, what do you, did you nearly say Cheryl Crow then? I almost did. Her, 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 apparently, her reaction to this was very peculiar. She said that as punishment, she won't have sex with him for six months. She won't have sex with him for six months. Does, does anybody <laughs> see, does anybody see this working out well? No. Yes. No. No. All right. No. <laughs> Fight. No. Oh, okay. I mean, th- this is this is supposed to dissuade Ashley Cole from sleeping around. <laughs> Perhaps the idea is that he has to prove his love and fidelity for her by abstinence, in the manner of a Catholic priest. It, uh, I guess, yeah. <laughs> in the manner of the rest of the football players that we we right. know and love. Yeah, she has big big expectations for this guy, clearly. But, Katie, I want to ask you. Yes. <laughs> you want to ask me? Ah. Are there rules to adultery? And where do they come from? Well, uh, I would say that, um, I don't know, these days, probably not. But certainly um, there used to be, at least in, a, in the form of um, certain literary conventions... Which usually ended up, uh, which weren't actually supposed to end up in adultery, but invariably did. Um, for example, uh, well, what I was mainly thinking of um, to talk about tonight was um, the medieval um, idea of courtly love, not courtly love, as I keep nearly saying, <laughs> which would be disastrous. But no, the um, medieval idea of courtly love the might, medieval be, <laughs> might be. <laughs> Might might be what? Even crazier not than disastrous. the one. <laughs> might be not disastrous. But yeah, co- courtly love. Court, courtly love. Um, because in um, in an awful lot of, of medieval literature, there is a, a um, there is a way that um, you, uh, people in the court courtiers actually have to. There is a convention that they must woo their queen. Um, and Sorry, they, they must woo their woo queen. Woo the queen, but no, in, we're, ta- we're talking about people who are hanging around the nobility, people who are like uh, buddies of the, yeah, the royal family. Yeah, they basically. need to woo their their queen. I don't well, understand that. Uh, well, there's a there was just a convention where you um, were pretty much expected to write uh, poetry to the queen, uh, praising her beauty, saying how much you'd like to sleep with her. <laughs> um, generally, saying you know, oh, you're ace, but there's absolutely no way you know you're so out of my league. There's absolutely no way. <laughs> <laughs> it's poetry. I was turning it into poetry. How was, how, Beautiful. How was the uh, How was the king? Assuming there was a king in the picture, which I believe generally there mm. was. How was the king supposed to feel about this? Um, well, I I think as long as it was con- confined to poetry, <laughs> uh, he probably didn't mind that much. But, um, but well, it's conceivably could have been uh, you know a sort of way for him to get some sort of. You know, free uh, written porn, basically. I uh, think so, and I think also um, him being, uh, for want of a better phrase, in possession of, you know, of this woman, which he pretty much was, um, who who got all this glory and attention, actually reflected well on him. So, you know, as the uh, on the the institution of monarchy as a whole, the mm-hmm. whole thing just served to shore up, um, you know, their basic superiority and everyone else's. Obviously, you know, crawling wormness. So, no. under, underlying this, what we're saying is, it's it's proving that the the writers of this poetry were fundamentally fans of uh, <laughs> fan fans. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. You see what I'm saying? This is medieval slash. 
Well, I mean, it absolutely is, though. It absolutely is, because it's purely, the, the idea that they could ever sleep with her is purely fictional, right? Oh, yes. And, well, well in, in theory, yes. Yeah. Yes, which is, what, uh, which is why, I don't know, obviously it doesn't always happen like that. Um, it's meant to be purely fictional, but I'm more interested in what happens when it stops being fictional and starts being real. The adultery becomes fact. Now, ha- has that happened his- historically? Um, well, or just his- in your mind? Well, the only... The only- <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know what you think of me. I, I probably shouldn't ask. But, uh, <laughs> the only um, uh, example I can think of it actually happening historically is... Um, and I meant to look this poem up earlier, but totally um, had an actual day job to do. Um, was um, Thomas Wyatt who was a courtier mm-hmm. in Henry VIII's court mm-hmm. who wrote an awful lot of poems or basically um, these poems everyone reckons they're about Anne Boleyn he, he, he made love to her in verse mm. um, there is one poem that I especially should have got hold of for tonight called um, Whoso List to Hunt I Know when, Where Is and Hind where he you know describes the you know the hunt but it's this huge great big metaphor for you know pursuing a lady and that in the last verse he is this the one that has something to do with diana as well the the goddess of the hunt or am i i, am I, I believe it's i believe it's based on the uh, i believe it's based on the petrarch uh sonnet oh, i believe you're uh, right to diana but it was the, an anglicization thereof okay sorry sorry to interrupt katie no that's, that's oh. fine but, uh, <laughs> snap no, that's, shock, that's, that's, shock and horror around the studio <laughs> as I appear to, for the first time in my life to know something about something. <laughs> <laughs> well done, me. Oh, dear. So Thomas Wyatt writes this poem. Yeah, and the last verse there, um, he refers to the, the hind in the poem. <laughs> Stop it! Oh, you're such a... Sure. Well, uh, surely that I shouldn't say hind anymore. Given, <laughs> given that it's behind, yeah, that's that's all all puns before a certain date. That's what they're, they're all. It's like all pop music is about <laughs> bum sex, and all puns in Thomas, all poetry Tom, prior Wyatt's, to the nineteenth century. His good friend Sir Mixalot also. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you cannot tell me that backfield in motion by whoever the hell backfield in motion was by was about. Bum I didn't realize Sir Mixalot was an actual knight. Oh yes, he, he actually is. <laughs> they were all uh, anyway. Now, I can't at, remember at, what I'm going to say. Well, <laughs> Katie, at, at at this point in Henry VIII's times, is I I don't know uh, that much about about. Uh, it's almost basically nearly became this close. I'm putting my fingers very close yeah. together uh, to being executed for um for basically for stepping over the line. Well, for, uh, he was accused and I think tried and got off. Um, <laughs> Of getting off with that, <laughs> so not, on, not on the grounds that not so just in verse, but he cited that that this is merely a courtly convention, and what what you were looking at me like that for? I thought that's what we were supposed to do. Well, um, he, yeah, basically, when Henry VIII um, basically wanted to get rid of Anne Boleyn in the end, and, and he, he trumped up an awful lot of charges against her, but one of which was that she slept around with an awful lot of men, including this Thomas White. I mean, I think. Um, in the end, the court musician got executed. Um, for wyatting. Fulton. <laughs> <laughs> Wyatt gate. Uh, but, but he um, he managed to um, to escape with his life. 
but um, I don't know if it actually would be interesting. I should have also worked out whether you wrote this poem before or after mm. this happened. But the, the last verse um, says that the, uh, the, the animal in question <laughs> um, has a, a golden collar with words picked out in diamonds. Um, no limi tangere for Caesar's I am. She belongs to the king, so do not touch. Look, but don't touch. Mm. It would be a pretty macabre choice of image if it was after she'd had her head chopped off. <laughs> she wears a collar. And also, she belongs to the king. it would also be a bit strange for him to have got taken. <laughs> yeah, know? that's a good point. <laughs> now, was, it, was there anything about... Uh, in, in, was there anything connected to Henry VIII? Um, or, um, there, there's a usurpation of the throne around this time, wasn't there? Yeah. I, his I, dad. Yeah, yeah his, his pa. The seventh, Hen- right? Henry the seventh. <laughs> 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 Um, yeah, I, I find it also very interesting that Henry VII kind of had this slight obsession with Arthurian myth. Um, Arthurian myth being the kind of ultimate example of where you see a code of courtly love in, in a story always erupting into adultery, left, right and centre. But the, the, this was the kind of model he took as you know, England's glorious past. He, he kind of desperately tried to prove his connection with it to kind of take people's attention away from the fact that he he had technically used up the phone. Um, he so, did- so, so you're saying he somehow used uh, more ancient ideas of courtly love as a justification for his... Well, not so much ancient ideas of courtly love, but he he had this this thing about the, the myth of Arthur. He called his first son Arthur. This is Henry VIII's mm. older brother who died um, while he was a teenager, I think. Um, but the fact that he called him Arthur, he was trying to kind of form a continuation with this this myth that was all to do with legitimacy. When if you actually look at the the myth of Arthur, it's just there's illegitimacy left, right, and centre in it. Now, what were in in Arthur's time, or what what we know of a person who may or may not have existed? Um, uh, were there conventions about cheating? In uh, in among the knights, for instance, of the Round Table. Well, yeah. Um, like what 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 was okay and what wasn't okay. Well, I think what it boils down to, from from what I can remember, <laughs> is uh, it was okay as long as you didn't get found out doing it. That's gen- um, that's generally the rule throughout yeah. human history, though, right? No, uh, I mean. <laughs> But what, knights were what, held. Everybody has this idea that knights are held yeah, to a higher they, moral they standard, are meant right? To be, um, you know, the, the peacekeepers, the example setters. But if if you look at the the stories of Arthur, um, so much of it is driven by by adultery. I mean, Arthur himself was uh, conceived when the king ran off with someone else's wife, or, or kind of snuck into her her walled tower because she was jealously guarded. You know. Did, did the deed and, and snuck into her yeah, wall into a <clears throat> tower. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, then <laughs> and then arthur the doom falls on arthur's family because he has an affair with someone who turns out to be his half-sister yeah so and and he eventually the, the whole story ends up with a war between him and his his own son which is an argument about legitimacy the the thing about what Arth- the Mallory's version of Arthur, which is the one that yeah, which is became the, the sort of canonic version that everyone, mm-hmm. uh, which explored the idea generally. It was written towards the end of the Wars of the Roses, which when the whole country had been in chaos for, I mean, bl- very bloody chaos for decades. Um, and uh, it's basically a story about what um, 
how do you improvise law and civil society in a in a world where it's completely vanished and mm. where the people who are able to bring um, any kind of order by the sword are are using those swords to chop chunks out of each other and forming gangs and and laying waste to the country, stealing each other's people, murdering each other's um, you know vassals, vassals and hinds, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I think Henry the Seventh. The Tudors um, came, sort of stepped in and, and actually, by usurping it, also ended the Wars of the Roses. So I think his, uh, his fascination with the, the, this sort of text and code was that it, it was telling the story of someone who brought order pretty much by imposing themselves. Because Arthur's legitimacy was odd as well. I mean, he was oh, yeah. the son of <clears throat> the king of all whatever it whatever youth the, was the king of the realm um but you know he got to be king by pulling a sword out of a stone yeah, which yeah, is I mean, like no one else has ever he, got he, to be king that way. Got, and it just <coughs> it was written at the bottom who who so but you know i would have thought there must have been people standing around saying you know who actually wrote that at the bottom of that <laughs> no. who it was him this, wasn't who it? put <laughs> this, stu- this sword in this stone now, by the way now I, 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 i'd like to get this a, l- a little bit back to uh the cheating the subject of cheating um and i understand that th- now this pre uh, well i don't know you guys tell me this is after Arthur, but before um henry the seventh and henry the eighth chaucer wrote mm. uh quite a bit about cheating didn't he yes he did yeah. um a lot of, um, how can I say, that? it was a, a lot of what he wrote was um, very, um, it was mocking of the courtly love um, conventions. Uh-huh. I mean, if you look at the Canterbury Tales, the first tale that gets told is the Knight's Tale. Mm-hmm. And it is a really typical um, two brothers fall in love with the same woman. And it can only be a battle to the death with all the intervening gods coming in on you know venus comes in on one side mars comes in on the other i can't remember who wins but you know eventually you know the worthiest knight um gets the lady mm-hmm. and um well that doesn't sound very mocking that sounds like kind of oh no well no that this is this is a straightforward um you know it's the knight telling the tale but uh-huh. directly after that you get the miller's tale um which is basically kind of the same tale except um you have a um a country lass who mm-hmm. uh, who is described actually in in these really quite amazingly high flown terms, um, which which are quite would be quite appropriate to a courtly lady. Only um, there's always just something about them that that isn't very courtly. And she, you know, has a husband and a lover and an admirer, um, and. Yeah, a husband and a lover and an admirer. And an admirer, yeah, and an unsuccessful suitor. And she, um, she's kind of wooed, wooed throughout by by the successful and the unsuccessful suitor. But in the end, all three, all three men um, are, are punished somehow for their transgression. I mean, the husband's just punished for being a bit mildly. of an idiot, really. Yeah. And and she's the only one that he really gets away scot free. To be free. fair, he is punished by having to wear the cuckold's horns. He is, <laughs> which is a fairly harsh punishment. Yeah. Why? I what, think it he, would be he's cool. cool. <laughs> what? I'd happily wear them. I think uh, the the point is made in the text that he's an old man and, and the the wife is very young and, and Chaucer says in a in a narratorial aside, um, you know, old men shouldn't mar- marry young women because you know, they can't give them what they want. 
basically. Ouch. Yeah. He, he's extremely so, hot. So he's, in, in, in a way, he's kind of saying um, cheating in some circumstances. Uh, he's justified. Yeah. Or yeah. if not justified, uh, understandable. At least understandable, yes. Oh. Um, so you should watch what you do. Absolutely. If you don't well, want to be... Is, is the, the point is you shouldn't put yourselves in situations where the, the rigors of that situation force you into, um, you know, where you don't want to be. Yeah. Take so. note. Cheryl Cole. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Katie, you've you brought a song for us to listen to. What's have, it called? I have bought a song. It's called The Lonesome King, and it is by Super Mayor.
Well, we seem to lose a little bit of the uh, track that we previously announced, uh, which is all part of our special preparations. There's a special <laughs> treat for you later. Uh, stay tuned, suckers. Um, that, in fact, was The Art of Letting Go by uh, Super Meyer, which is something called Super Picture and uh, Michael Meyer. Is that right? That is absolutely correct. Awesome. Okay. Um, so, last night, um, I was happily sitting on the... Um, I was happily sitting on my commode, reading uh, Woman's Own, as I, as I do, and I, uh, I stumbled across um, one of those excellent quizzes which, you know, you fill in, it gives you points, and it tells you something about yourself. Um, and I thought, that sounds appropriate to let our, uh, let our lollards play this evening. Um, so stick with me as we uh, play How's Your Moral Compass? <laughs> we're, uh, we're going to uh, investigate what uh, our contestants attitude to rule breaking says about their moral character uh the contestants tonight are a new hippie indie vegan katie grocker and a anti-rockist warrior behind the lines of popular culture sparky mark sinker hello <laughs> so now team teams for each question you have the choice of two answers cool or uncool um and just, presumably they can expand upon those answers. I, I'm, if I'm, ha- like. I'm happy for you to, to talk to talk around those answers. That's absolutely fine. Um, just in case there are any whining relativists listening, uh, <laughs> you're not allowed any fill-in choices. And there's no depends on the circumstances. Yeah. You just have to decide on cool or uncool uh, as best you can. So let's start. Question one. When playing online Scrabble, using words you know to be false, but feeling confident you've intimidated your opponent into not challenging you, Cool or uncool? Cool. Uncool. Huh. I'd better just make a note. Of <laughs> Do you want a pen? No, I've got one here. Look. Oh, look. I feel like Madonna in the Material World video. Everyone's offering me a pen. It's fantastic. Uh, so that's uncool. Okay. Hmm. Um, question two. Lying about your qualifications to get a job. Cool. <laughs> uncool. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> like, Anti-rockist warrior. You see, you see the problem uh, 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 that you set up for yourself here. Question three. <laughs> Lying about your qualifications to get a job as a doctor. <laughs> Even cooler. <laughs> I always like those stories. There was a particularly one I, I really thought was like the best story ever. I, it's true I'm glad he's never actually treated one of my relatives. <laughs> but essentially... Not only had he lied about his qualifications, and uh, which I think just meant arriving at a hospital in a white coat <laughs> and signing on, signing in, um, he treated people with bitumen. <laughs> that was his main uh, cure for everything. It was uh, no, it was asphalt, I think, rather than bitumen. Ninety-nine <laughs> problems, but a bitumen ain't one. <laughs> but but Mark, how? No, what, was it in the form of pill or what, what, what did it actually do to people? Well, I think it probably didn't do anything particularly pro or con, but it just went, it just through. tasted like the road, <laughs> <laughs> which <laughs> after all, street. So, Katie, lying about your qualifications to get a job as a doctor, cool or uncool? Uncool, obviously. <laughs> uncool, obviously. Mm. Okay, uh, question four lying to get elected to a position of power, Katie. Oh, uncool! I'm because I am square tonight. Mark, um, I think it's uncool because being in a position of power is uncool, <laughs> or wanting to be. 
Okay. <laughs> Question five. Cheating on your taxes. Not paying the tax that you are... I, I think that's uncool. Mark says uncool. Oh, I think it's, it's fairly uncool as well. Uncool, says Katie. Okay. Robbing I think it's good, but I think it's yeah. uncool. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. <laughs> robbing a bank. <laughs> is robbing a bank cool or is it uncool? Think of all those cool bank robbers you've seen. No, they always end up shot by awesome dudes from CSI. <laughs> uncool. <laughs> you see, I, I really want to say that that's not specific enough. I think it very much depends on... On the circumstances. Not on the circumstances. Unlucky, on the method. Relativist. <laughs> on the method. <laughs> <laughs> but the method is a kind of circumstances, so... So? So, if you hold up a bank with a banana and get away with £10 million, just hand it over... And not shoot anyone. Well, or, yeah, or, or even if anyone. you shoot someone and with no, a banana. No, no one must be harmed in, in robbing the bank with a banana. No bananas must be harmed. <laughs> okay, you're going down as a call for that, Mark. Sorry. Okay, robbing from the rich to give to the poor without any clear state of redistributing system or measures of effectiveness. Just well, how's stupid. that not introducing circumstances? This, uh, I'm allowed to introduce circumstances. <laughs> That's so I'm uncool. doing the quiz. <laughs> I, I feel that we should <laughs> we should redistribute the uh, the means of the production of this quiz. <laughs> And ask you these questions. <laughs> Excuse me, no back talk from the counter, please. <laughs> Robbing from the rich to give to the poor without any clear stated redistribution system or measurements of effectiveness. This cool is, or this uncool? Is Me- measures of effectiveness question. would be uncool, yes, because that's politics. So obviously doing it with no idea whether it's going to work or not is cool. I actually agree with Mark here. You sorry, sorry. No, you don't have to be. You don't have to be sorry. I mean, I would be sorry to agree to, to agree with Mark on this. On this but you big rock. <laughs> okay. Next question: Being an pirate, but it's kind of by definition cool, isn't it? It's where it's where the word yeah. cool comes from. <laughs> Explain. Okay. <laughs> Next question: It's French for bum. Being so must a- be. <laughs> behind. French for hind. It's, sorry. Derriere. It's French for it's pirate. French. No, Pirate cool. is French for... Cool. Oh, yes. Good point. <laughs> Interestingly, I went to a football game in France once, and they hung up a big banner, the kind of hard lads hung up a big banner that said, Hooli cool, which I assume was supposed to be like, we're hooligans and we're cool. But perhaps it meant that they <laughs> like rough boys' bottoms. <laughs> anyway, um, next Doubtless. question. Being a pirate in the explicit service of your country, like Francis Drake or something. Cooler than cool. Yeah, he played, he played bowls, well... In Plymouth? In Plymouth, mm. while the Armada sailed up the English Channel far away from him. <laughs> that, cool that cool, or uncool? That's cool. Okay. Uh, being a pirate in the explicit service of an imperialist power. <laughs> mm, I see what your trap <laughs> is yes, it was It was craftily laid. Not that it was my trap, obviously. I found this quiz in women's own. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. This is the last one. So oh, you can it's, uh, great. it's cool. It's uh, pirates. <laughs> uncool. Uncool, says Mark. <laughs> uncool, says Katie. Okay, let me tot up the scores now. I finally okay. had some totting up incidental music. It's true. 
Mark, you have scored a total of five points on this on this uh, quiz. Um, according according to this, you have a highly attuned but frankly haywire sense of your moral world, <laughs> and it's idiosyncratic to the point of sociopathy. Yes, that's what I that's was what, aiming. That's for. what Woman's Own thinks of you. <laughs> And Katie, you scored 32 points. Blimey. You have an almost superhuman moral compass. You're a walking empathy machine. So much so that we suspect you of cheating on the test. (laughs) And now, Tanya Heaton, the resident music critic here at the Lollards of Pop, renews her cavalcade of hate after hearing the new song by Robin. It's been brought to my attention, dear listeners, that even though she can be ridiculed for her po-faced personality and blonde at Lareca, Robin's lyrics are even more disturbing. sure can she be that said object of her affection never will be hers remember she's an international pop star now and to some people this fact and any handy financial change which comes out of it may counter their dislike for a lady who looks like her face is made of latex clearly robin has either the ability to see into the future or has put out a contract on said bow unless there can be another reason i saw you at the station you had your arm around what's her name she had on that scarf i gave you and you got down to tie her laces Hold on! Doing up someone's shoelaces for them? The other person either suffers from dementia or is a tiny, fat-fingered child. Whilst this developmentally challenged child may be disguised as Robin in her scarf, the man will clearly soon be handed into a Swedish jail where pass the soap means something quite different to what it does in an English jail. It would almost make me feel sorry for Robin if she wasn't a super-evolved Swedish frog hell-bent on world chart domination and the end of civilization as we know it, which would also explain why he never would be hers, because he and the rest of us would be dead. Okay, um, so that uh, another typically cheery report there from uh, Tony Heaton. I just want to say that uh, Swedish people are fastidiously clean, even in prison, which, which is what she meant by that. Um, we, we've actually already received a letter about this particular music review, uh, which is astonishing. Uh, it's come zinging through the wires. To me, through yeah. The, through the ether of the modern connectivity world. <laughs> Look. What is it? Here it is on a piece of paper. What does it say there? It says, Dear Freaky Trigger and the Lollards of Poop. (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) Why is it that only dance music made by people from Scandinavian countries are ever described as glacial? They have glaciers in New Zealand too, and Crowley's house were really, really boring. Sincerely yours, Gary R. Dunedin, New Zealand. Uh, Thanks for that, Gary. Um... I think uh, to clear the air here, there's a little, um, I think some negative vibes here. Cheating, uh, you know, uh, death, uh, crowded house. Um, I think that we need to uh, <laughs> to kind of uh, uh, get, get things back on the good foot. So we're going to uh, we're going to listen to uh, um, uh, How About Us by Champagne.
Halfway between Cheryl Cole, I keep wanting to say Cheryl Crow. Halfway between Cheryl Cole and uh, Margaret Thatcher in our British culture exists the behemoth that is Delia Smith, uh, who recently, I believe, has written a book called How to Cheat at Cooking. No fair, Delia. Surely she's about making people cheat, uh, cook correctly. Also, Delia Smith is uh, world renowned for being a high-toting, heavy-drinking uh, <laughs> chairman of Norwich City Football Club. And I wonder whether she condones cheating in sport in the way that she condones cheating in, uh, for example, cooking. What do you think? Have you been thinking about cheating in sport, Mark? Um, I don't think I've been thinking about it from Delia Smith's perspective particularly. <laughs> um, How would you know? <laughs> uh, well, I think the, the, there's two... Uh, there are clearly two different perspectives of sport. There's, there's people who actually do it and there's people who sit and enjoy it. And in a sense, these perspectives run alongside each other. But actually, I think they um, there's quite a lot of elements where attitudes to cheating would, would be different. And uh, the 
this came this sort of pops into my head as an interesting um tension when i was actually uh having an online argument about the world cup <laughs> um <laughs> with my enormous knowledge obviously defending uh, my position uh, strongly and well but my well, position not, not knowing anything about it helps you be objective yes right? exactly yeah. <laughs> uh, clearly and that is that is pretty much my line on this that I, I was i was interested in the the distinction between um whether a whether a game has been correctly played and whether a game contributes to a good tournament and it seemed to me that in this particular instance, I'm fairly sure this was, um, uh, Tim will be able to uh, correct me. This was the um, the run of performances that uh, Italy had put in, in the World Cup, where it had won, it beaten a whole set of people to get to rise. So you guys are you're tournament. talking about foot hockey here, right? Yes. Oh. Uh, it, it had... Uh, um, it had beaten a whole set of teams to rise fairly high in the tournament, and in each case, it had done this by um, what were widely considered very dodgy means. Foul means. And what what I thought was interesting about this, and the point that I was arguing, was that actually this made the whole tournament much better, because you had a designated villain who the real winners, by beating, could actually make... They could, they could introduce a, a, a really... Uh, kind of rich vein of moral drama to the whole tournament. Where Italy is classic Machiavellian uh, yeah, figure. Yeah, exactly. In the, in the and and in fact, contributing as part of the quality of their performance, exactly those, the sort of dark arts in, a, in quite flamboyant and um, self-conscious way. Mm -hmm. And so that, a bit like in in wrestling, they take on exactly. The, I, that's exactly what I was thinking. They take on the uh, the role of um, villain, mm -hmm. and, well, and or, then, or as it's technically known in wrestling circles, the heel. Oh, okay, right. It's the he. It's the heel. Um, and and, the, and essentially, this brings quite a, a, an extra degree of sort of excitement and tension and i think actually a, a degree of excitement and tension which is deeper for someone like me who is not partisan sort of pro italy or anti-italy or pro whoever italy's playing which as i can never can't remember any of the people they play is a bit evident but the, but it's not it's not the case that, it, that it's not like they're complete anti-heroes like dirty denny eastenders or something whether 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 people who support them support them because they are just evil they're also demonstrating that they're really good you know there's, there's also the issue of high quality it's just there's a there's a narrative of if you're playing the game if you're if you're gaming the game then it makes you clever mm -hmm. yes mm -hmm. rather than it's it's not just oh they cheated it's they're good enough at this to be yeah. able to cheat in a, in a in a way and not get caught and the, that's the part skills of the, whole the sort of valorization of uh, of of the skill involved right. of, uh, of of cheating but it's not it's you know that the, their their supporters the italian fans would also have been very proud of the the the, the actual quality of their football it isn't it isn't right. simply that they right. they're just evil it's that they are and, and it's the, that they're brilliant yeah. and smart the, and the 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 qualities that are required for for example do we need to explain what a dive is you can explain it, Tim, quickly. A, a, dive, quickly. Is, a dive is when a player um, falls to the ground, um, having not been fouled in a game of uh, uh, field soccer. <laughs> um, 
but makes it appear that they have been fouled in order to get a free kick and, and gain some roll, competitive advantage. They roll around and moan they and could, pretend they, that they... They sometimes no. roll around and moan. They, 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 it, can, it can be cleverer than that. It okay. can go down and they can go down and pretend like they're, you know, they haven't really... That, that, like they're not claiming a foul to try and double bluff the ref. What was that, Kenny? Well, no, I was going to say that. See, that seems like you know the way you were talking about it. I I thought that the cheating would be kind of like, well, I don't know what I thought it would be, kind of like dazzling sleight of hand, like the the handball. I mean, Matt Maradona is the person when 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 you say the word football and cheat, he is the first name that springs to mind, and I and I think I don't know is he still kind of universally vilified for. Or loved. <laughs> or, or loved. I mean... I think in this country people have a... I, I think that people do, are hugely do you think conflicted, people have a, conflicted about him. Do you think people kind of hate him but have a grudging respect? No, I think I think that that th- th- that thing that he did has passed sufficiently far into history that it doesn't really hurt so much anymore. And people like him because he's one of the greats of football, but he's also this hugely excessive figure. And, flaw- and a very flawed figure. Massively flawed, but hugely excessive and, and does mad things, you know, goes and hangs out with goes and hangs out with sort of ultra-leftist dudes in... I mean, he's big mates with Chavez, right? Um, yeah. and, and he's big mates with Fidel Castro. And Not that I'm saying that these things are flaws. No, no, I'm, no. no, no. We're talking about the but in like, terms of excessive cocaine use, then, really. Right, and yeah. I mean, well, but, but all of these things, he, you know, he, he, seems to be, he seems to have within him the capacity to do really extreme things for a footballer. Yeah. You know, like go and hang out with, like go and hang out with, with very left-wing world leaders, like take vast quantities of cocaine, like get incredibly fat, and then lose all this weight really quickly, and just just he just seems this extremely excessive figure. There's just a huge amount of stuff in him. So then, kind of beside beside that, uh, essentially falling on the ground, going, "Ow, the nasty man hurt me," seems a bit rubbish, <laughs> really. <laughs> yeah, until such time that by doing that, your side gets I a mean, penalty, has, and then we win. I mean, but but can but, you can you that's what can we care you about. kind of uh, dive when you know back to my my original point? I'm, I'm you know. A complete footballing dunce, obviously, but that just seems a really much like crap. Ashley Cole, actually. <laughs> 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 it does really seem like a, a crap way. I mean, you can't. I don't think you can. Can you dive heroically? I mean, getting back to what they were proud of you for get, doing that. Getting back to what to what uh, I think Tim was saying before, and and also Mark was saying that uh, even if it is sort of rubbish compared with uh, you know hitting a rasping strike it's, against goal justifying the end if you've done well yeah and if you've done it at just the right time and just the right way i think people can look at that tactically as a matter of tactics and and admire it and which is wh- and there's also i mean it's not the case that the best team always wins or the most deserving team or that this is how people feel about it that, well, that, 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 that a, te- a team may in fact lose on the mere goal difference mm-hmm. but should have won and so in fact the team that should have won that wins by illicit means that there's something sort of um dramatically interesting about it and satisfying about it it's it's like it's like a cop show with a maverick cop who breaks the rules this this is the problem with foot hockey there's always there's always people who uh who you know every game it's like well you know they really deserve to win it's like you need to improve your scoring system if people are, are constantly like <laughs> no, this deserving is, to win. Yet this losing. is this is what <laughs> this is exactly what our, our this argument online was about. It was with an American who was saying pretty much that, and he was saying that the rules should be much more rigorous, and the way it's it should be so that clearly the better team wins. And what he meant was the more skilled. And I was yeah, saying this is a very right. sort of uh, arid point, and scientific stick. 
way of of arguing it the better team is you know is is fo- does football reveal a moral truth or does it just w- prove the fact that eight is more than seven which we already knew right. mark can i can can i ask you if if uh, <laughs> if this idea of gaming the ref um has any other resonances in uh, in in our society? Does this happen in other venues that, other than sport? Well, I mean, the obvious place it happens, I think, is is in politics, and there the tension between obeying the rules or disobeying the rules in order to produce the the broader good end is is clearly a very extreme one. That that uh, you could argue that you know revolutions are where the society has got so fed up that the rules produces the the rules as everyone supposedly agrees on them are producing the wrong kind of society mm-hmm. that they they say okay that the side that deserves to win needs to break the rules a little yeah, bit maybe yes what and and then there's a a big argument what we were talking about before about the question of legitimacy what constitutes what makes for the legitimacy of um of the the future society and essentially what makes for it is the one that won the the um the phrase that the, they was used in both sides used in the civil war was and God give us the right which was a way of saying like if we win then the fact that we have won proves that we were right to win because God wouldn't have let us win if we weren't right well, I think Arthur and uh, and and Merlin and T H White's uh, the once in future king would have a little problem with that might makes right uh, attitude well, doesn't. It? Yeah, yeah, but there's a complicated little argument in that as well, where where Arthur gets very hinky about. He says, "Well, okay, jousts, not the greatest way of of deciding who's right and who's wrong." And there's various other sort of trial by combat, trial by fire things. But he says, "Lawyers, I mean, the person who wins is the person who can hire the best lawyer. It's not who's correct, it, who's morally in the right. It's the person who has the most firepower when it comes to uh, legal." argument and i think this is also the issue in politics it's the person who wins is the person who's best at exploiting the situation where the rules are the rules may be available for exploitation yes is there a the political equivalent of the dive red lion on the white i never inhale do you see (laughs) (laughs) but i never inhale is quite an interesting one because i think there are people who i mean i don't think that that actually worked as that because I think people treat it as a bit of a, an obvious kind of joke and code and a lie. But I think there are people who put themselves in the position of victim or or fool in such a way that people actually warm to them and sentimentally support them, even if you know their head says this is not such a great. Well, I mean, would would someone like Boris Johnson be a good example of that? Because what, fool. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. I, I think, yes, he would. <laughs> I think it's quite hard to to argue, sort of, for because we've no idea whether that's going to be successful or not in terms of actually garnering votes. Yeah, it, there I, is there is always an interesting question of timescale in this in this issue. You know, if you're in a game of football, it's not always clear whether somebody's dived or not. They've fallen over, mm-hmm. but you know, particularly if you're in the stadium. You don't know. You haven't the faintest idea. In You've just moment. won a penalty in the yeah. moment. In the in the longer run, you 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 know you'll be able to see replays and watch the game again and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and, and the same thing is true of politics, of course. That, and you know, people, you the, know, the, people... the short term winners and the, the long term winners. Uh, history judges oddly. And people like you know people appreciate in political figures canniness, quick thinking, 
thinking outside the box, being able to put yourself in maybe a very difficult um, larger political situation where you're the leader of the nation and you have to kind of finesse success for the job you've been hired to do. Well, like and, 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 and like the very strange. Uh, sort of admiration that a lot of uh, le- like uh, Democrats in the United States and uh, progressive people have for Karl Rove. They, they hate him. They want to see him put away. He represents everything they, they despise. Yet there is this weird, grudging admiration for the way that he's able to... And I uh, think, I mean, I think that's a play bit... Play the game. Yeah. 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 To, to play game the game. The game. There, there's a big... I, I mean, I think in his case, he's the sort of architect of, of the Republican uh, success and arguably the architect of its coming you know debacle if that's what's going to happen so in the in the in the circumstance where you know we, we've got the dive which is a, a pretending to be the victim in order to gain some advantage for your own side i mean clearly at the moment we have two democratic candidates who are who who have the possibility of um invoking their so-called minority status mm-hmm. that exploited status mm-hmm. um is that happening i um, think each side sort of claims that the other side is doing that um <laughs> well one of the things but i think ha- once you actually get down to it it's very difficult to actually see if either side is in in campaigns like this it's very easy to to have an official campaign and then have an unofficial campaign which you yeah you can in fact gain credibility by disavowing so that your direct mail independent supporters who you are not you know you're are never seen coming into your office and even if they actually are coming in the back door and you're saying you do this um denounce the you know say something outrageous about our opponents or Mm -hmm. make some completely disgraceful dishonest claim yeah we and carry on making it very vocally we will as distance the official ourselves. thing, we'll distance ourselves and say this is a disgraceful thing. So, so we will look great, but the the smear will will also percolate. Right, messages in the wild. And I mean, it would be silly to claim that that's not being done by all sides in all elections. The question is, who is doing it most effectively? It, is this actually the key? on which vote uh, elections are decided? I mean, there's plenty of evidence that actually they're decided on quite more straightforward things like mm. you know if the economy is really terrible it doesn't really matter if the people in charge are also really effective smearers of their opponents if if people have no money and are really miserable they may well just punt anyway this this election's different though isn't it because it's the election to become the candidate so we're, we're not voting on the basis of you know we're not we're not deselecting an incumbent on the basis of the economy we're we're choosing who's going to be the best who's going to be us who's going to be us which is also it also well, I mean, means who's going to play actually that you know what we what that those people have to choose is who's going to play this game best mm. and and uh, you, you saw that with the john Kerry candidacy uh, you saw that with the john Kerry candidacy uh that uh you know that it came time people made all sorts of out really out said outrageous things about him you know mm-hmm. that that he he didn't seem american that he that he didn't uh that he seemed a little odd that he you know just weird smeary kind of things to say and he sort of tried to take the high road in his own little way and um and was slammed for it for not uh for not sort of fighting back yeah it right? made him it made him seem kind of 
a bit sort of slow and and sort of not right. able to look after himself and right. and letting himself be bullied. So people people want it, it. It is odd that once it gets to that point, people want to see behavior that maybe they wouldn't in a vacuum. They they want to see you kind of lashing out a bit or standing up for yourself yeah. or finding a way. You know, I think finding a way through because you're being. It's it's quite often a kind of uh, how long have you been. Beating your wife? No, what's that? what's that? Yeah, no, that's when did, sure. when did yeah. you stop? When did you wife? stop? I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of question, and um, and what they're looking for is someone who can, you know, find the finesse their way through to the other well, side. Take we, note. We've, we've actually take note, yeah. Ashley Cole. <laughs> well, this, wait, wait, that's just, all just time. before you oh, before you get, you get into that, I, Eli, I just I just wanted to mention that the uh, the uh, we have a perfect example of what we were just talking about yesterday with yeah. uh, Barack Obama yeah. um, responding to uh, weird smears about him and uh, his pastor buddy, and he gave a speech which did exactly what you just said, Mark, yeah. which. Um, which managed to address head on these things. Well, wait and see. But well, yeah. yeah, I mean, for, I agree, but wait being, and see. For the time being. For now. Talking of time. Mm. Time has cheated us. That's all the time we have today. Um, I'd like to thank our Lollards for joining us, Mark Sinker and Katie Crockett. Thanks, chums. Cheers. I'm Tim Hopkins, and my co-presenter has been Elisha Sessions. Stay tuned for Behind the Mic with Rosie Wilby, followed by Middle East Panorama at 9, The Trash Can at 10, and Old School Reggae brought to you by the 5050 Sound System crew from 11 until midnight. We say goodbye, I'm delighted to say, with the new midweek number one. Your Cheating Heart by Elisha Sessions. Your cheating heart will make you weak. You'll cry and cry. And try to sleep But sleep won't come The whole night through You're keeping hard